So we've begun a series entitled The Words, uh, sorry, the uh, title is The Red Letter Jesus. And uh, of course it's a reference to the Gospels and um, at least they used to do this in the Bibles when they were produced. Anything that Jesus said was in red letters. And um, last week we, we talked about the fact that Jesus spoke so often about the kingdom of God. Sometimes he referred to it as the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes he said, it's my kingdom. Sometimes when he was referring to his father, he said, it's his kingdom. When he was talking to his father, he said, your kingdom. And so Jesus often talked about his kingdom. And um, it makes sense, it really doesn't it? Because, in fact, his coming to earth, the, the God of the universe, and the second person in the Trinity, his coming to earth was all about that kingdom. It was about him enabling the kingdom by making a way for people to enter into the kingdom. But it was also about transitioning the world that we know into the kingdom of God, which we read about in Revelation is, is going to happen someday, that this world will no longer exist. It will be overpowered and overcome by the kingdom of God. So today and next day, actually, I'm wanting to think about how do you become part of that kingdom? And perhaps negatively, unfortunately, but probably um, just as encouragingly, um, I want to talk about how you cannot get into the kingdom of God. Jesus said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Who is and who is not going to be eligible or eligible for the kingdom of heaven? As we study Jesus' teaching and, and his interactions about the kingdom, uh, we're going to see some descriptions of the kingdom of God that some have described as making it an upside-down kingdom, a kingdom that is seemingly the opposite of what we know in this world about power and leadership. And certainly, as we dig deeper into this concept of who can enter the kingdom of heaven, you'll see that it is an idea that is quite the opposite of our world's means of deciding who's in and who's out. Who should be given authority and who should not. Who has power and who does not have power. And so today we're going to look at this idea of those who will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then next day, 
who will. So I'm going to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 22. <coughs> Jesus told a parable. And Jesus loved to tell parables for a number of reasons. We won't get into that. But Jesus loved to teach truth through <coughs> fictional stories. He loved to teach really important things through myth, things that he would make up. But they're powerful because they, they related to us, and, and we could really relate to the stories. And so here is a story that Jesus told, and it's about something that we can really relate to. It's about being invited to a wedding. Chapter 22, Matthew's Gospel. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered. Everything's ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field and another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murder murderers and burned their city. And then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who wasn't wearing wedding clothes. He asked him, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie his hands or tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. So here Jesus is, is telling the story about a wedding. It's, it's all made up. However, it has meaning in reality. And so it might be good for us to sort of clearly identify who's who in real terms in this parable. So the king would be God, right? Um, and probably God the Father, because we see that there's a son here too. So God the Father is having a wedding for God the Son, or there's a wedding banquet. And then you would think of the wedding banquet as the kingdom of God. There are servants who are sent out, and many of them are abused. And so I would interpret that to be the prophets and the patriarchs and, and the apostles who went out, who were called by God to go out and spread the word of the kingdom. 
but many of them were abused and taken advantage of. Those who had been invited is an interesting one. But I think it's clear from this passage and, and from uh, just the context of Jesus and who he's speaking to. He's speaking to the Jewish nation. He's speaking to Israel. Those who had been invited would have been the Jews, the Hebrews, Israel. His army that goes out and reaps havoc and meets out justice. I believe that those are those who God choose to chose to exact judgment or to mete out judgment on people that took advantage of the prophets, the apostles. And so, in some cases, those actually were pagans. <laughs> those actually were the Canaanites, right? Those people that God chose to bring judgment on a rebellious people were people that you might not think of as being tools of God. And then there comes us. We're the anyone you find. We're the anyone that the servants find, good or bad. Isn't that interesting? I don't think he's talking about, um, in that case, uh, people who deserve it or don't deserve it. I'm sure of that. But I do think when he says good or bad, he's, he's referring to people of reputation, right? And they, everyone, whether you have a bad reputation or a good reputation, you're invited. Because the people who were initially invited rejected the invitation and didn't come. So we see this story and the parallel in truth and in reality. And it tells us a lot about what we want to talk about today, and that is who it is that's in who it is that will join or be part of the kingdom of God. And so, really, our focus is is uh, is verse uh, eight and nine, where it says, "The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come." So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Who is not a citizen of God's kingdom? Who will not enter the kingdom of God? If we take the story that was told, who will be thrown out where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth? Well, I think in many respects, when Jesus teaches and the Bible speaks to us, there is a specific application, and then there is a general one. And, and this first 
group of people that are not going to be part of the kingdom, I think we can look at in specific terms and also in general terms. And so, uh, to explain that a little bit more clearly, what I mean by that is, for instance, if, if you know at, at Shining Waters, I don't know about Shining Waters, but definitely at the Sandspit, like it, when you, you take your kids along and they go up and they, they want to they wanna get on a ride, they have to stand like this and there's a measurement, right? So some kids don't make the grade, right? They're too, they're too short. They're not allowed on that particular ride. So specifically, that person, that kid, is rejected. But generally, anybody that's like that kid, who's too short, is not going to get on the run. And, and I want to think of this particular point that I'm about to make in, in that regard. So those who are not eligible. The first one I want to say is this. Those who sit in judgment on Jesus and find him wanting. Those who sit in judgment on Jesus and find him wanting. Jesus doesn't measure up to their expectations. Specifically, Jesus is referring to the Jewish people. Why did they reject him? Because he wasn't what they expected. He didn't meet their expectations. They expected an earthly king who would come and make Israel great again. And Jesus was crucified, the most humiliating death that one could think of. To the Jewish people, and obviously I'm generalizing because there were people within the Jewish people who did respond and are in the kingdom, and there will be a lot of people, another story, who are from the kingdom of Israel who are going to be in the kingdom. But specifically at this point, he's talking about the fact that a lot of Jews found Jesus wanted. He was a disgrace to them, uh, an embarrassment to them. Now I want to move from the specific to the general. Is Jesus judged today? Is Jesus found wanting today? Oh, you bet. Every day Jesus is put on trial and found wanting by a wicked world. Too judgmental. Unrealistic. not inclusive enough. I could go on and on. Jesus is found wanting by our world. And so the first people that are not going to be in the kingdom are people that aren't going to want to be in the kingdom of God, who are not going to want to submit to God because they don't think he's godlike. Sometimes you feel bad for people that think this way. Sometimes maybe you should think they're going to get exactly what they want. They do not want to submit to God. And they won't for eternity. 
even know if they'll have regrets, to be quite honest. I don't know. So, who is not eligible? Those who sit in judgment of Jesus and find him wanting. Certainly, the crowds who welcomed him on Good Friday or on uh, Palm Sunday and screamed, crucify him on Good Friday. You know, they're not going to be in the kingdom of God. The next one. Those who are not eligible are those who chose the concerns of this world over the kingdom. Who choose the concerns of this world over the kingdom. In the parable, it says, but they paid no attention and went off. One to his field and another to his business. Matthew 22, 5. Jesus talked about this a lot, about people being consumed with the things of this world, and he particularly made reference to people who are rich. And Judy so beautifully read about the young rich ruler who came and quite frankly was not willing to give up all of his wealth in order to be part of the kingdom of God because his wealth was what consumed him. So Jesus on another occasion said, again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So therefore, those who are not eligible are not only those who sit in judgment of Jesus and find him wanting, but they are also those who choose the concerns of this world over the kingdom of God. The parable also tells us that there are those who are not eligible, and they are those who are hostile to the good news of the gospel. It says, the rest, his the rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. People who have vitriol, people who have hatred, people who despise the good news of Jesus Christ. Certainly, it was the Pharisees and the other religious leaders who were the most immediate haters of Jesus. We read in Mark 3, 6, Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. But in this world, is there hatred of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those who find the kingdom of God too exclusive. People who feel threatened by the gospel because it requires too much of them can be hostile to the gospel. It asks too much of me. It offends me because it tells me I'm a sinner. It cramps my style. It steps on my rights. It damages my autonomy, my freedom. All of these people can be hostile to the good news of Jesus Christ, and they will not enter 
the kingdom of heaven. The parable also talks about others who will not be a part of the kingdom, who are not going to enjoy the wedding banquet. The father noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. Interesting, isn't it? Interesting that all of these people that the servants found who counted it a privilege and an honor to have been invited to come into this banquet, had the wherewithal, had the means to show up dressed appropriately for the wedding. That's exactly what I'm saying. He did. Everybody else did. He did too. The problem with this guy is he doesn't appreciate the grace of God. He takes it for granted. He's one of those people who doesn't understand the value of a gift. And he just shows up. Shows up like the guy I saw showing up for a wedding once. I didn't see it. My friend was telling me about this. I hope he's not here. <laughs> this guy was was the godfather of a kid that's being dedicated in the Catholic Church. That's a big deal. Guy shows up, he's got his wrench here, oil all over his pants, rushes up to the front. Now, yeah, we're nice people, we always make excuses. <laughs> maybe this, maybe that, maybe that. Maybe the guy was just didn't understand that what he was signing on to was important. Right? That's what this guy's like. This guy's like, oh, well, free party, far out. Oh, I'm not going to, it's not going to cost me anything. I'm not going to go out of my way to get ready for this. I'm not even going to clean up. I'm just showing up, man. Free party. This is the attitude of this guy at the wedding. And so he is one of those who takes for granted the grace of God. They won't enter the kingdom of God. If they don't understand the value of the gift of grace that has been extended to them, in which they now get invited into this wonderful wedding, they won't enjoy the wedding. Now this next example is really going to come as a shock. Well, hopefully not. <laughs> but the next example of those who are disqualified are those who are religious. What do I mean by religious? Jesus was not religious. Actually, Jesus was about as far away from religious as you could get. Bruxy Cavey wrote a book, The End of Religion. It's in our library. Recommended to you. Great book. About piece by piece, Jesus dismantled the religious institution of his day. Not the stuff that God required, 
the hard stuff, the important stuff, but all the stuff that we have made following Jesus to become. These are religious people. Religious people practice the rites and rituals we commonly associate with worship, but they have no relationship with Jesus Christ. They could go to church their whole lives. They could give religiously to the church. They could do a bazillion good works, but they, they don't know Jesus. Jesus doesn't have a relationship with them. You don't believe that, do you? Well, look what Jesus said in Matthew 7. On the day of judgment, he said this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoer. I'm saying, man, I've never cast out a demon in my life. I've never prophesied in my life. I haven't done miracles. Right? And if this guy can't get in, what are my chances? Well, actually, they're great. <laughs> because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are people who play religion their whole lives who will not enter the kingdom of God. And they'll, they'll, they'll protest at the end, like these guys. I did all of this stuff, all this religious stuff, I did all this good stuff. And he's going to say, what's your name again? Not really, because he knows it so well. <laughs> you know, he did. Right? So, the religious will not enter the kingdom of God. Boy, did that tick off the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Herodians and the religious leaders. When he told them, they were whitewashed tombs. Right? He compared them to vipers. You know? He said, you're going to get your reward here. But not eternity. I don't know how those people were able to do those amazing things. Those supernatural, miraculous, casting out demons things. It's a mystery to me, but... Actually, there is a thought I have about that, and, and, and it is this, that sometimes God uses unrighteous people for his own purposes. I think of Cyrus the king. He was a pagan. <laughs> and he freed the people of Israel from bondage and slavery in Babylon and sent them back to Israel. I think of Pharaoh who freed the people of Israel, <laughs> sent them back to Canaan. I think of Pilate, who was used of God to bring about the death of Jesus Christ, exactly what Jesus wanted. 
Um, and I think of the early church, too, where there were those unscrupulous frauds circulating around the church trying to win the confidence of the faithful ones. They're described as wolves in sheep's clothing. And they were interested in their own agenda. They were interested in somehow benefit, whether it was through reputation or power or esteem. Quite honestly, some of them did it then as they do it now for money. Right? And they were leaders in the church. So God does miraculous things through unrighteous people for his purposes, but that doesn't mean they're going to be in the kingdom of God. So we've seen that not everyone's going to enter the kingdom of God. Those who sit in judgment and find him wanting. Those who chose or choose the concerns of this world over the kingdom of God. Those who are hostile to the good news feel that it is a threat to them. Those who take for granted the grace of God. Those who are righteous, or sorry, those who are religious. All of these people will not enter the kingdom of God according to the parable and according to Jesus' teaching. Jesus said these words in Luke 18, 17, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. I see those words as sort of the consummation or the, the wrapping up or the generalization of all of those who rejected. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child. Think of the little kid getting a gift. Right? At some point in their life, this changes, sadly. <laughs> but not the little ones. You give them a gift, they don't sort of sit there and say, hmm, do I deserve this gift? Or assess the balance of generosity. They've done this for me. What have I done for them to keep things level? They haven't questioned and they don't question the motivation of the gift. They don't figure out how they're going to reciprocate. So they accept it, but in their mind they're going to make up for it somehow. They don't accept the gift and sort of say, hmm, is that appropriate? Is that an appropriate value? <laughs> right? You know, not kids. Whoa! Rip it open! Throw it away! Get into that gift and enjoy it! That's who will inherit the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Jesus. You are the word. Every word that came out of your mouth gives life. 
I pray, Lord Jesus, that you'd help us to have wisdom, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, bring these words to life in us. We thank you for your word. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us to be so enthralled with the idea that we actually have been given the honor to enter the kingdom of God, that it would trump all else in our life and put everything else in its right place and perspective accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God richly bless you all. Have a great day.